EFTM Tech Cars Lifestyle This is the EFTM Podcast with Trevor Long EFTM Ooh, What a wild ride Welcome to the EFTM Podcast Great to have your company, thank you for listening Always wonderful for you to have taken the time to download this simple little program um, which I quite enjoy producing and bringing to you every Tuesday when I can. haven't missed one in a while, um, but lots always going on. And a cracking, uh, busy, interesting show for you today. Um, we, uh, we're going to talk about uh, digital innovation at a government level, right? You're thinking, what the hell are you talking about, Trev? What the hell? Uh, I'm going to talk to the New South Wales Minister for Customer Service and uh, Minister for Digital, Victor Dominello. Um, who you know is essentially the minister, the boss in charge of all things digital driver's licences, but most importantly QR check-ins and vaccination passports and things. Now, very New South Wales conversation, but other states might be interested to hear where that's going and how that's being done here, and it's a fascinating thing to look into. So I want to understand how on earth when I check into a cafe, it's going to show my vaccination status. How does it know? So... We'll, we'll get to the bottom of that. Um, plus, I want to talk to Stefan Strait, who is the global boss of marketing for TCL Mobile. Um, the new TCL 20R 5G was announced just in the last few days. You can find that at EFTM.com. It's a $300 5G phone. But see, the thing about TCL is, and they're great supporters of EFTM and have been for a very long time, and so I don't mind setting aside half an hour to have a chat with Stefan anytime. But um, it's a fascinating business because they... They know displays better than nearly any other mobile phone company. They've been making phones for so long, but they've only been making TCL phones for a few years. But they've got a whole range of other products that they're tempting the market with. So there's some really cool things coming. I wanted to kind of explore a bit of that and understand the the backbone of the business. So we'll talk to Stefan Strait about that um, on the show as well. Plus your calls um, and all things uh, EFTM, all things uh, questions and technology and whatever's on your mind. Um, and of course, you can leave a rating or review at uh, at the podcast store for EFT for uh, Apple iPhones on the podcast app. Um, and if you really um, want to get crazy, I've really gotten a bit cray cray on the old TikTok, and uh, I'm pushing hard for some fun videos. I'm getting really interesting traction on just how to videos, just things that you might not know about your phones and other things. So, I I mean, I actually don't know as much as many of you perhaps. So I would love for you to help me with great little tips. What are the things that you share with your family or friends and say, listen, you should be doing that because it's easier. And I don't care whether it's on your TV, your Xbox, your PlayStation, your phone, your Samsung, your tablet, your computer, whatever it is. If it's a life hack, a tech hack, a a little tip that not everyone knows, it's a good thing. So um, get in touch. Go to the website, eftm.com. Let's get cracking with the show. All right, let's take some calls. Uh, if you've got a question, go to the website, eftm.com. Click on Ask Trev. Andrew did that. G'day, mate. How are you? I'm good, mate. How are you? Where are you located? Are you in, uh, in a good part of the world or a lockdown part of the world? <laughs> I'm in a good part of the world. I'm in Ballina. Oh, you uh, lucky is, bugger. Uh, yeah, up near Byron Bay. So Byron Bay is locked down, but I'm just far enough away from those people to be free. <laughs> Sorry, just the way you said those people, it was kind of exactly what I was thinking. But anyway, yeah. um, well, that's a nice part of the world. So you've, you've got the coast, you've got uh, 
you got a reasonably normal life, mate. So uh, hopefully, yeah, hopefully absolutely. the whole thing gets back to normal and we can travel a little bit. I'm. It's a weird thing to be missing your mum, isn't it? But uh, I'm quite keen to see my mum. Even my Same. brother and sister, I wouldn't mind going to visit. So uh, my, my family's in Sydney or Melbourne, so I can't get to her either. Yeah, right. What can I do for you, buddy? Well, look, I just I, I, I'm a bit of an apple. Uh, Trenching up here, and, and all of my devices are on that. And I've just noticed that all of them are now asking for an update. Um, and uh, I just went in onto my phone, and for the first time, I was presented with a choice. I could update to, uh, I must have missed one in there, but I could update to uh, the latest or the oldest 14, uh, iOS 14, or it uh, gave me the option to go to iOS 15. And um, yeah, and I think maybe I. Did that appear? Does well, I saw someone send me a screenshot. It might be one of the boys in the man cave. But does the iOS fifteen option appear down the bottom of the kind of settings exactly. updates page? Right. Exactly. Yeah. That's Absolutely. very fascinating. So what they're saying is, look, here's here's the latest we've got of fourteen. Um, but if you want to jump ahead, this is public and it's good to go. Fifteen. I wonder yeah. at what point that crosses over. I wonder at what point they stop showing the the fourteen update. Into the 15. You know what's funny? I've got a the phone I'm actually talking to you on is an iPhone 11, and mm-hmm. I'll be honest, it's it's not had an update for some time because it's the phone I use to do the Today Show on, so yep. it's running iOS 14.7 um, because I was too scared to up, update to whatever happened earlier because there was a problem with the app that we used for the um, for the broadcast. So I'm gonna I'm gonna do mine now. It says automatic updates. Yeah, I've got the same thing. So it says 14.8 here, download, learn more, download, install, but then also available down the bottom is 15. Hmm. So what have you chosen to do? Well, at the moment I've chosen to, I did a little bit of Googling and it sort of said that, you know, you can certainly jump ahead and often with the going to the newest update, to the 15 in this case, you know, you can get some issues. There's some lags or some bugs to be sorted out and so on. And while this one isn't looking too bad, I still went, yeah, you know what, I'll just go to the, the, the 14 point, uh, uh, I can't remember what it was, 14.8 something, and wait and see for the 15 and then update once yeah, it's right. had a bit of a, <laughs> bit of a run. I've been using 15 since the public beta came out. I've got to be honest, I reckon it's their, their most stable beta in years. Mm-hmm. So if you, if you hadn't have made that choice, I would have said to you right now, go 15, like totally. I had a couple of the well, boys tell me that they've had um, – a couple of things they've noticed, but I think it's 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 either very unique. So um, Howie, one of the moderators, uses very big font, um, you know, vision problems. So big, big, big font, and I think that's causing some issues across multiple apps. But um, broadly, I've heard nothing bad about fifteen. So maybe settle into fourteen point eight for a while. But the thing I tell you what I absolutely love about fifteen is the focus modes. Um, and you go, I'm in work mode, I'm in home mode, or I'm in you know, sport mode. So my kids on their iPads have set up um, gaming mode, um, school mode, and normal mode. So when they're in gaming mode, all their you know school apps disappear from the home page, and you know it's, it's just oh. it's like a custom home screen. So if you've got say your work email and you know work apps there on your home screen, when you're in home mode, it's just your your Netflix and standard stuff, and you don't see all your other other things. They're still there; you can still access them but they're just not on the home screen. So you can have customised screens for every mode. Plus, you can say, during work time, I don't want notifications on SMSs and stuff. I just want to do my work. They still come through. If you unlock the phone, you can see them, but they don't pop up and annoy you. 
Well, I tell you what, that that's a, working from home as I am currently. Um, that sounds like an incredible tool, actually. So I might even do the update uh, to fifteen to uh, oh, give that. Put a run it this way: that's if like, if if, it, if fourteen point eight wasn't there, and you were just given the option of fifteen, and you were asking me should you update, I would say yes. I have I've great confidence in it. You know, make sure you've backed up and all that stuff. But um, oh yeah, yeah, mate, it's it's a good system. There's some really nice tweaks. Um, uh, aside from the focus mode, and I would recommend you jump on it, buddy. Sounds good. No worries. Will do. All right, mate. Have a great day and enjoy the uh, the sunshine of the of the North Coast. Wonderful. Thanks for your help, Trev. Good on you, Bye. buddy. And if you've got a question like Andrew, go to the website, eftm.com, click on Ask Trev, and we'll uh, see if we can help you out. Yeah, but iOS 15, I'm, I'm loving it and have been for some time. So, yeah, if you've had any issues, let me know. But broadly, I'm, I'm hearing good things. This is the EFTM Podcast. Great to have your company. Trevor Long taking your calls. Julian's on the line. G'day, Julian. Hey Trevor, um, I'm looking at getting into a bit of a hobby, hobby doing droning, and um, just want to get your feedback on what drone would be ideal to start off with. Um, What's prompted this, I Julian? Am, I'm, I am I'm shocked. At DJI, but... Julian, I'm shocked by how many people are asking me this question again. Like four or five years ago, this was drones was the big thing, but I feel like it's coming back. Is there something that's got you going? Is it something that's you know you've seen that makes you want to get into it? Um, lockdown in Sydney and huh. having so much spare time on my hands at the moment. Yeah. Um, just looking up at looking at picking up uh, an extra hobby, seeing I'm got yeah. so much spare time on my hands at the moment. Have so. you looked at the rules? Do you know where you're going to want to fly? Um, I've heard you speak previously about like like uh, like you can't fly in flight paths and things like that. But um, yeah, more than likely just around my local area, out Campbelltown Way in Sydney. So. Um, I'd be doing it in like parks and things like that. Yep. So Just be mindful of that. I mean, I sound like a narc, but um, you know, there, there's rules for a reason. And there's a great app called Open Skies, um, which tell you just pinpoint a place where you want to fly, and it'll tell you what the restrictions are there if there are any. But hmm. uh, you know, just staying away from people is the main thing. So uh, you haven't got a drone yet. You're looking at getting one. Um, what have you I'm, looked at? Because I, I think looking, um, I think there's I've no doubt DJI JB. are the way to go, right? I've had a look at the JB website at DJI. They've got the, I think it's the Mini SE. Yep. And also the Mini 2, like the Fly More combos. So I was looking at both of those, but um, I'd start to get your feedback and which one's better to start off with. So. Mate, the, the Mini, I, I love the Mini, um, the Mini 2. Um, I don't, I've not used the SE, but I, I don't know that the specs are, you know, ridiculously outside of being between the Mini and the Mini 2. But I think the Mini 2, if, especially if you can afford the Fly More, because fly, fly more, because I, you know what I hate about flying a drone is you get a, you're flying around, you're loving it, and then you bring it down to, you know, because you're worried about the battery, and then you can't go back up again for another bloody few hours while you charge. So the Fly More, that the, that's the reason they sell the Fly More combo, because it comes with everything you need to go out for the afternoon and fly a bit, you know. Um, really practice, get your shots right, because it's all about you know, getting a beautiful photo of a, of, of a scene you wouldn't normally get because you're up so high or you're looking from a different angle. And what are you what are you looking at paying for the Mini 2 with a Flymore? Is that, that's still under 1000 isn't it? The Mini 2 for the Flymore, that, that's about 900 for memory. Yeah. Yep. And the SE is about 650 for memory. So there's about a $300 price difference between the two. And I think that the biggest difference m- might be partially camera, but there will be essentially feature stability and stuff like that. So... I love the Mini 2 as your first drone. I think it's mm. going to give you all the basics, going to give you a bit of the um, um, spatial awareness stuff that it has, but it will also be um, something you have to look after because it won't, like a Mavic, it's not going to um, 
it's not going to ob- not going to have obstacle avoidance that's going to stop you crashing into things. And the mini can be crashed. Let me be clear, not from a great height, but the mini can hit a tree mm. and fall. And you know, it's it's two hundred fifty grams. Um, you get spare blades with it and stuff like that. But oh, mate. What you do with the Mini is learn the basics of flight and then you start to learn how to incorporate, you know, video or photo with flight. And I think then you put it on eBay, you get what you can off it and you, you upgrade to, a, you know, an Air or a Mavic. Hmm. Yeah, I think it's a great starting point to start and, out with drones. So. And look, the other thing is even with the Mini, you can go when we're allowed to, go to the go to the coast um, get some beautiful coastline shots. There's nothing in my mind. There's still nothing better than flying to go, driving to a remoteish area because obviously you can't do it in a highly populated area and going a hundred meters in the air, look putting the lens straight down and having a shot that is fifty percent beach and 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 land and fifty percent water. And it's just it's such a magnificent thing. I, I still get blown away by it whenever I do it. Um, let alone driving to the country and looking at waterfalls. Um, mm. there's some beautiful things you can do with a drone if you do it right, you do it safely, and, uh, yeah, you, you, it's a great way to plan a little uh, little road trip after lockdown, mate. I know, I'm counting down to October 11th. <laughs> All right, Julian, well, mate, get on to Crazy. JB's, get yourself uh, the Mini 2 and uh, the Fly More, and I look forward to you sharing some of the photos and videos that you take, mate. Thanks so much, mate. Enjoy your day. Good on you. Good on you, Julian. And, uh, yeah, that's the thing also. When you when you do these things, send me the photos. Oh, like whether you're tagging me somewhere, whatever, I, I love to see that stuff. I love to see the fruits of those conversations. So uh, don't ever hesitate to get back in touch and tell me how you went uh, with something that we talked about right here on the EFTM podcast. EFTM. You're listening to the EFTM podcast. EFTM. Well, look, I know the last year has been tough. COVID, lockdowns, it's not been fun. But I've got to say, it's been a very strange year for me because I think technology has played a greater role in our lives in the last 18 months than ever before. Things that we, I knew existed, <laughs> have been elevated into the everyday. You know, my mum, uh, grandparents around Australia, doing things that we never expected, like using smartphones for QR codes. It's been phenomenal. And uh, while we, we, I don't want to focus on the negatives of, of everything that's gone on, I do want to focus on that massive positive that is the impact that technology's had. And there's still more to come because uh, certainly in New South Wales, where I am, we've got some, some very cool things coming with the integration of the vaccination uh, passport or the vaccination, uh, I guess, tick that we all have at the government level into the services that we use every day. And so I wanted to talk about that and just generally the um, the path to digital with New South Wales Minister for Digital and Minister for Customer Service, Victor Domalillo. G'day, Victor. G'day, Trevor. Mate, this has been a, a strange year. You took on the, on the job of uh, Minister for Digital in this in the midst of all this, really. Um how did you how did you come into this role from a tech perspective? Were you a bit of a nerd, or uh, was this a, a steep learning curve at every angle? Oh, I, I'm maybe a bit of a nerd, but uh, when I was a lawyer many many years ago, I remember uh, subpoenaing a whole lot of documents and then putting all the information onto an Excel spreadsheet and then pressing sort. And then I could realise uh, when the documents were telling the truth and when people were telling lies <laughs> based on that simple Excel spreadsheet. And I, I realised then that what technology is so powerful, whether it was back in the law back all those years ago or right now during a pandemic. And it's quite an interesting journey that we took during the pandemic because the, the early stages, and it does feel like forever ago now, 
um, with the federal government um, COVID Safe app, which I still firmly believe was um, rightly executed, well done. Um, but you know whether it's through the the hatred of the security community or just the the general the complacency of society, given that we kind of worked our way out of any cases, there was no need for that. We we very quickly, I guess, pivoted. Um, into the use of QR codes and making that a universal system away from, like my mum's pub, we were using Google Sheets. And then we moved to Service New South Wales and it was a phenomenal uptake by the people of New South Wales, which in the end had to be emulated across the country, didn't it? Yeah, you're spot on, Trevor. And let's be honest, like when I said let's bring in QR codes, it's not like we created QR codes. You know, we just saw what was happening in Taiwan and Singapore and Korea, all these, you know, tech-advanced countries. And I said, well, we need a similar system here because it's so easy to use. Uh, and then we went through that journey, as you said, where we initially everyone had their own QR codes mm. and then the customer demand said, no, no, make it simple, just put on the service app and that way tell us once approach to government and that's been a roaring success. Do we, I mean, you got to a point where the Service News of the Wales app, I remember publishing some numbers um, on both EFTM and Nine News about the the take up of the digital driver's license, which in essence, and it's a terrible thing to say, and I know it could be taken out of context, but COVID has given us the the push towards digital that I think your teams would have expected it to take five years for us to get this level of digital driver's license uptake. But because everyone's got the app, it's just second nature that we've also now got the driver's license, which is a phenomenal outcome. Yeah, that's an astute observation, Trevor. Like I remember when we introduced the uh, DDL, the digital driver's license, uh, back in 2019, it rapidly increased to about 20%, but then it started slowing down and it sort of plateaued around 25 30%. And it was really sticky at that number mm. for a, a while. Then obviously the pandemic hit. And then as we use QRs to check in and then the Dine, I use the uh, QR for the Dine Discover voucher, piggyback off that. Yep. Uh, and all of a sudden the Dine, uh, the digital driver's license is now sitting at about 62%. So it literally doubled in about 12 months. Which, as I said, you, you couldn't have imagined, um, I guess, that take-up level. And it's only going to continue to grow. But it, it's kind—it's of, like the vaccination rate. You're going to get to a, a point and then it's going to be a struggle to push, push forward. But I wonder whether the next phase... Um, is actually going to help that because help me understand what's next because there's two parts to this in my mind and, and one is the long term like how long are we going to be using QR codes for um, I got a sense from the premier only the other day that it would only be a few months but it feels to me like it's something we should be still doing for a little bit longer until we really are clear of the pandemic well, my firm view is that subject to health advice, and it's a massive caveat, but subject to health advice, come 1 December, if we're at the 90, 92, 93% mark, then quite frankly, we are then living with COVID yep. at that point. Yep. And therefore, we should um, uh, retire the mandatory use of QR codes for your normal day-to-day activity, going yep. to the coffee shop, pubs, clubs, restaurants. But there will always be a place for certain businesses, for example, airlines, for example, retirement villages or nursing homes, where they will still want to use the QR code, and as they should, because they have a higher risk setting. And but the Services the normal, New South Wales app will, will continue to be available for them in that sense. Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. And, and the same with the vaccine passport. Like people will say, well, why do you need a vaccine passport uh, come 1 December? If, if everything works to plan and, and we're living with the pandemic and there's ICU numbers are under control, et cetera, 
why do you need a vaccine passport? Well, there's three reasons. One, there will always be businesses that need it. For example, going into a nursing home. Yeah. Think about going into a nursing home in March, April next year. Yeah. If we got the boosters rolled out, you know that you definitely need those settings in place. Yeah, okay. uh, you would need it to travel interstate. Like we are months ahead of the other states, yep. and it may take them a while. I can't see any situation where they will allow unvaccinated people to go into their states in the short term, and then traveling overseas. And then the fourth reason is we have to future-proof our state. And this digital infrastructure means we can turn it on and turn it off as the circumstances require. Yeah. Talk me through the um, the vaccination part of how you see the integration. Now, you're obviously – and this must be the most intense period for the developers of the app that you're working with because you've had, you know, the digital driver's license, amazing innovation, but it took years to build, to, to test, to oh, develop, yeah. et cetera. And you've now yeah. gone to a point where I would guess within essentially weeks you've gone, we need, yeah. we need data from the federal government – that is vaccination data. We need it yeah. somehow accessible. We need to be able to link it in the service to South Wales app because the, the goal here is that in the, the period of time where we're past 70%, I'll go to my local cafe where I get lunch every day and I'll check in and not only will it say tick, but it'll also say vaccinated. So that, that's a huge um, technical leap forward, which must be putting a lot of pressure on the team. Are you confident that you'll achieve it because you're obviously getting into trial phase? I'm confident in the team, absolutely. Because uh, to your point, Trevor, like we, we started in many ways with a garden variety app, uh, you know, in 2014-15. But we really rebooted it and worked from the ground up in 2018 when we knew that we had to build a broad architecture for the digital driver's licence, and thank God we did yeah. because that has enabled us to then move into all the things that we're doing now because we we were designed big, built small at the time. But what else we built was a culture of innovation. So we've now got the people inside of the team that are, instead of saying, no, 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 it's too hard, it's too hard, their um, settings are, how can we do it? And how can we do it quickly? So how will it work? Um, I I assume, and correct me if I'm wrong, that, just up the top of the app where I'm putting in my driver's license, and apologies to anyone not in New South Wales, but where you add a license, you know, I added my RSA, I've added my driver's license. There's a long list of other things you can add. Is it going to be in that list where I, I link up? And is it is it just my MyGov account that I link up? Or do you have the data about vaccinated New South Welsh, Welshmans that uh, allows you to put that tick against people's names? No, great question. So this is about... Uh, your data, your control, your settings, your authority, your consent, because this is your information. So you need to go through uh, the Medicare Express Plus app, download that, that and yep. then you can, you've done that. Once you've done that, you then have the option of uh, saying, I want this uh, vaccine certificate to sit in my Google or Apple or Samsung wallet. You yep. can do that. What you will do in a few weeks' time, hopefully, is say, or I now want this to also sit in my Service New South Wales app. And in that uh, Uh, pouch that you described, it will sit there. Uh, So you'll press a plus button there, it will appear, and then it will appear in the carousel at the the front. So where you've got your driver's licence, you can, you know, swipe to the right and they'll bring up your next certificate and your next certificate and your next certificate. Let's say your boating license, yep. your vaccine certificate in this case, your working with children check, et cetera, et cetera. And so I'll essentially initiate it from the Express Plus Medicare app, which will then Absolutely. essentially force the Service New South Wales app to now show this information. 
But And what we've done then, it will sit there. There will be a pouch in the Service New South Wales app so you can show it mm -hmm. uh, if you want to. But we've also integrated the experience at the check-in uh, face. So that way you don't have to constantly change screens. It will just automatically appear at the check-in phase. So once, once I've linked those two apps together, once I've linked my Medicare Express Plus and my services New South Wales, when I check in, just as normal, as I do today, it'll show the tick, but it'll also have the word vaccinated next to it, or I can choose to show the certificate if, the, if it's asked for that way. And so so the power is on me as the individual to do that, um, and you've had to work, I assume, therefore, with the federal government on having their app push data or push the, 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 the tick of a certificate across to your app. Is that, uh, that must be a very new thing for the development team. Uh, yeah, it is, and I want to shout out to Minister Stu Robert, who's been my who's my counterpart at the federal Definitely. level, and he's been outstanding. Been outstanding, so I, I just got uh, praise for Stu. But yeah, we, we've been working really closely to make sure that that is a seamless experience. But another thing I want to point out is um, when you check in, not every venue uh, needs to see your vaccination status. For yep. example, if you're going to a supermarket, uh, you don't. That's an essential service, or yep. a butcher, or you know, baker, etc. Yep. So you will then have the option to say show more or show less. So you don't have to show people okay. your vaccination status because, to me, privacy is absolutely key to design. Because one of the big things that separates uh, a autocracy from a democracy is our privacy settings, and that's something that we very much guard here in, in Service New South Wales and. And it's so important that we enshrine that in our design. What I mean, I, I would argue, and maybe it's biased, but I would argue New South Wales is, is leading the nation in this sense. And you did have a massive advantage in that you were well ahead of the of the case with the digital driver's licence and the app doing that stuff. And Queensland's the best example. I went to Queensland when the world was open <clears throat> and um, for that magic football round earlier in the year, and I had to download their app for QR check-in. That's all the app does. That's yeah. it. That's all the apps yeah. for. And so they, they won't have, I guess, the the base to, to build off um, once they move to a, a digital world that you're already in. Do you see yourself as nation leader or is another state that kind of is a little bit ahead of us, do you think? Oh, look, every, every state's doing their own good thing. So, um, like, New South Wales is definitely um, uh, right up there. I don't want to blow our own trumpet too much. But, like, um, look, I, I'm proud of the same and, and, more importantly, proud of the people of New South Wales because you, you can you can have all these products and services, but if, if they're not embraced, if they're not adopted, then they end up on a shelf. Yeah. Um, so just massive credit to the people of our state for embracing this 21st century because, it's honestly, it's been one of the foundations of uh, getting us uh, through the alpha phase of the variant in terms of the QR check-ins, keeping us open and safe. Yep. And now this uh, vaccine passport will be our gateway out of the Delta variant. Yep. And and just on the states, how well do you work with other states? Or more importantly, how, how well do other states work with you? Because given where we're at with licences, apps, um, and this, you know, we, we must be ahead of everyone else in terms of integrating the, the QR check-ins together with vaccination is there a, you know, I don't want to use the term national cabinet because it's got its own connotations now, but is there a national approach to, to helping each other understand how to do this well? Yeah, great question because uh, we have a, a data digital uh, ministerial meeting. We basically, myself and all my counterparts across the states and territories get together. Stu Robert, the federal minister, 
uh, chairs it because he's uh, he, he's in charge of the, the Fed's data and digital uh, scheme. Uh, and, and this is an example where, for example, um, South Australia, they've got a home quarantine system and uh, they, they've piloted that out. And Stu Robert picked up the phone and said, hey, Victor, you've got to have a look at this. We're working with South Australia, but that looks their system looks really, really good. Right. And, you know, wh- why should we sit you know, on our on our high horse? I said, great, uh, let's have a Harry uh, Matt Sally moment. We'll have what, what, what they've got. Yeah. So, you know, we are basically picking up their system, just tailoring it to the New South Wales settings and then going to adopt it. So, so, so how does that work digitally? Because because the home quarantine is the next big thing. Um, I'm booked to go to the States on the 1st of January and that, that's only happening if my wife allows it based on there being less than 14 days quarantine. So is it yep. a digital thing or is it just a, you know, a government passport, you know, you tick a box and go through? Because what, what does the app need to do for me as a home quarantine participant? Oh, is it, no, it's a completely digital experience in the sense that's what the South Australians have worked up. Now, it won't be running through Service New South Wales. Right. There'll, be a, there'll be a separate app run by health. Um, but uh, I've seen it and and it's just a seamless experience where um, you have to infrequently and randomly uh, you'll be prompted to check in to say where you are so they know where your phone Using is. Using location services, right. Correct. Yep. Um, and, and that way you can stay at home and they can randomly check that you are at home using your phone because uh, they will use biometrics to make sure it's you. Wow. Oh, that's a that's an exciting feature. It's a kind of weird thing, isn't it, to think that, um, you know, all these things that have probably been talked about at uh, at conferences for, for maybe a decade um, yeah, are now exactly. kind of very quickly coming to fruition. and. I guess the there's no real push against them too, which is a fantastic thing. We we're quite accepting of it, and I think that your willingness to to part with something like the QR check in um, at a whim or at the requirement, you know, once we 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 reach a target, is probably what builds that faith. Do you think that we've got a, a roadmap out as opposed to you know sticking with something and making it look like a regime? Yeah, and that's the thing. Like, uh, trust is so critical to uh, digital infrastructure. Like, if we don't have trust, then you move backwards at a rate of knots. And particularly with government, like, government yeah. have to have trust because there's one thing governments can do that corporations can't do because people say, well, what's the difference between corporate surveillance and government surveillance? Well, the difference is corporates can't put somebody in jail. So our thresholds inside a government have to be sky high in terms of trust settings. And that's why, you know, when the checking data comes in, we delete it after 28 days. You know, we check with health, but we also check uh, with Privacy Commission because we've got to get those standards right. And it's very easy for governments to turn things on in terms of QR code, but the real trust point is when we know to turn them off. Yeah. And that's why I, you know, despite the fact that, you know, in many ways New South Wales led uh, this new chapter around QRs, I'll be the very first to celebrate when health says we don't uh, need them anymore. It's a shame that the politics of the world um, dictates that if the federal government was to do that and say, look, COVID safe worked a good, it did a good thing for us, but we're just going to, we're going to shut it down now. They would essentially get bad headlines for it being a failure when, in fact, it, it served its purpose at a time and, you know, a lot of a lot of difficult things were happening. And it's a tough thing for governments to do is say we don't need this anymore, yet we spent money on it. And I think that will be uh, that will be applauded uh, at a state level, let alone um, federally, uh, by people observing what we do here in New South Wales. I do feel like we're well ahead of the game. I do feel like we've got that the right level, if not uh, ahead of the right level of innovation. And I think that's a credit to your teams, both at the oh. development level 
and at the, I guess, the customer care level, which is the way of, of planning out that journey because that's as much important as the actual physical technology. Oh, absolutely. And, and you're right. Like it, people say, oh, well, people may say, well, you only use the uh, vaccine passport for two or three months, hypothetically, and then you won't need it. Hypothetically, it's subject to health advice again. Yep. Um, you won't need it for you know, pubs, clubs, restaurants, cafes, et cetera. And I'll say, no, no, that wasn't a waste of time. That was insurance to make sure that, you know, if we do need it, if in the event that there's a Sigma variant coming out in a year or two, we can turn it back on. Uh, so, and, and plus, as I said, there will be settings such as airports, uh, retirement villages, nursing homes, that they will continue to use it. But for overwhelmingly, we can turn them off. And I don't see that as a waste of money. I see that as a huge investment in our future. It's a good investment. I don't mind my taxes going to it. Uh, congratulations to the team and, and to you through your leadership in that space. I look forward to seeing it uh, in the real world when it's, uh, when it's active. Yeah, thanks, Trevor. Taking your calls, you've got a question, happy to help. Daniel's on the line. G'day, Daniel. Hey, Trev, mate, how are you? I was yep. just uh, inquiring about a second TV from Media Room, like Samsung, Sony, probably around the $2,000 mark. What's um, what When you say were? Media Room, what do you, I mean, what's what's going to be watched, enjoyed, and uh, consumed on that TV, buddy? Uh, mainly football. <laughs> you've created football. a football room. Yeah. Are you married, Daniel? Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, we just bought a new house. Right. How did you get that past the wife? What did you give her? Uh, it was her idea. What? She wants you Man. out of the lounge. <laughs> yes. That's, mate. Indeed. Well done. Congratulations on finding um, the perfect wife. Listen, is there a size question here or is it more about price? What, like, where do you want to go? Because big, big is better, obviously. Is that how you feel or do you just want to get the best? Uh, probably the best value for, you know, two grand, like 65 inch. Oh, I mean, sixty-five is is going to get you something beautiful. There's no doubt. Like, um, I would say the Sony X85J is yep. two two grand at JB's. That's a beautiful TV. It's Google TV as well, so it's got all the apps built in. Oh, yeah, yeah. You're pretty much going to want for nothing on that one. Um, yep. For two grand, I'm just wondering whether you, if you tipped it over just a touch, whether there's any OLEDs in there in that kind of slightly higher price range. Um, so what, uh, what is an OLED? Okay, so let's let's look at this. There's a this is a really interesting comparison. There's a 55 inch LG OLED for two three or two four really with the with the change um, compared to I guess a bunch of 65s. Right now, an OLED if you have the lights off in the room and let's say you're watching a movie and the trail and the credits come on and the the words on the screen are white. With an OLED, it, they look; those words look like they're appearing out of nowhere in a black room. Whereas with a, pretty much any other TV, you can kind of see a bit of a blur or a what do you call it? A glow around those words. Essentially, oh, okay. essentially, where the screen is meant to be black, it's black. Where the screen is yep. meant to be color, it's color, and there's no um, blooming, is what I call it, blurring or, or glowing around the outside. But in everyday okay. life, the, the challenge is you're going to buy a 55-inch OLED, whereas you can get that 65-inch Sony, for example, and a bunch of other brands. You could probably find a nice Samsung at that price as well. The other thing I would say to you in terms of general bang for your buck is that you can also get a bunch of 75-inch TVs at that price. Oh, really? So there's an LG 75-inch um, 
NanoCell, which is kind of their version of QLED, quantum yep. dots. There's an LG 75-inch 2021 model TV for, for two grand. Oh, really? Now, now, the difference between that and that 65-inch Sony we talked about is, firstly, the operating system, so it doesn't have Google TV built in, but you can solve yep. that for 100 bucks. $100, you buy the Chromecast with Google TV, and, yep. and you're running. Now, the second, oh, okay. the second difference is going to be um, what we call the refresh rate. So how quickly does the picture change in, in milliseconds, essentially? How many times a minute does the picture change? And that affects people who can, have got great eyes and really notice the difference of, say, watching sport is a good example. Um, live sport, you know, the refresh rate, the better it is, the, the less blurry it seems. I don't notice the difference, champ. So personally... I'd be buying the the LG 75-inch TV with a 100 hertz refresh rate. It's going to look amazing. If you have the best eyes in the world or you've noticed these kind of things between different people's TVs, then the Sony has a 200 hertz refresh rate and is going to look slightly better picture, but it's 10 inches smaller, mate. And up on the wall, a 75-inch TV is going to be an absolute cracker. Yeah. Cool. All right. So you've you've essentially got a challenge. Good, better, best. <laughs> the best yeah. is is the, the smallest TV at, at fifty five inches. Um, yeah. The 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 better is the middle of the range, sixty five inch Sony, and the good is the seventy five inch LG at two grand. Okay, I'll have a look. I haven't helped you at all, have I? No, no, no. You give me something to look at. They they did say that Samsung. There's a long wait on them for some reason. Oh, Mate, the, you know, short TV. supply, tough problems with all the chips, chip markets and stuff like that. Don't be, don't be put off by the LG and the Sony. They're great TVs. Yeah. Every single one of those is a good TV you will not complain about. If you buy each of them, you'll notice the difference. But, mate, how many TVs you put in the media room? Just one. Exactly. What TV's in the lounge room? Uh, I've got a Samsung 55-inch now. How old? Uh, two years. It's a good TV. Oh, it's a great TV. You're not going to notice the difference, though. Any of those yeah. are going to look the same or better, especially the 75-inch. is huge. What, mate, why would you get a 65 or a 55 when in the lounge rooms are 55? Mate, make her feel like, you know, you've got a really good win here. Get yourself a 75-inch TV. Yeah, I'll have a look at it. The other, the other quick question is, what, yeah. how about the other brands you see, like TCL and Hisense? Mate, love them. I've got a Hisense 85-inch at my place. Love it. Oh yeah. It just to be honest, a lot cheaper it, as well. To be honest, it didn't just it just didn't appear in my quick search there. So there's a there's a high sense seventy five inch at uh, seventeen ninety five. So you're saving a couple of bucks there. Do you know what you do? Get the high sense, save some money, and put by a um by a little soundbar to mount on the wall as well. Yeah, that was my next question. Like, what what are the what are they like? What what brands to look for? Oh mate, do you know what JBL is an all rounder. Um, obviously, if you can spend the money, then Bose and Sonos. But oh, mate, if you know, you're not going to spend. You're not going to be. If you've spent seventeen hundred on a TV, I don't imagine you're going to spend fifteen hundred on a soundbar. Okay, no, I'm kind of not deluded in that way. But I would suggest that um, you know JBL is probably a really great place to start in terms of you know they've got something at every price point. Um, yeah. And that, that's going to help you kind of understand what else is out there. But if I look at JB Hi-Fi, for example, JBL have a two-channel soundbar for 279 bucks. Now, there's no subwoofer. There's none of that. But it's just a million times better sound 
than the TV will have. Oh, really? And and trust me, mate, you put that thing on the wall, just mounted slightly below the TV, and it'll be fantastic. If you want to, you know, spend a bit of money, then you could spend $600 and get a JBL 5 channel, which gives you that kind of rear sound and all that kind of stuff um, in a in a, a virtual way. But honestly, I've, I've put a – in our little kids' games room, and this sounds completely first world, I've put an 86-inch um, – <laughs> Uh, Aldi style TV, so like the cheapest brand possible TV, right? Yeah. And a and a single sound bar, and I sat in there last night watching Godzilla v Kong, and we, as we turned on the movie, I thought, oh, the t- I can see, or I can see um, issues with the backlight of the TV. It's not consistent, uh, you know, on a on a grey page of the browser. But as yeah. soon as the movie started, I went, this is awesome. <laughs> like honestly. Yep. It was yeah. so good. The sound was booming from a single little sound bar. Honestly, mate, just a good big TV and a good little sound bar is a better experience than you have today. And yes, if you have the coin, there's better TVs and there's much better sound systems. But, mate, save up for those. And then in five years, you move the 75-inch into the lounge room and you put an 85-inch with a surround sound system in the, in the bloody movie room. Yeah. So, what was the sound system? The JBL. JBL. I've got, yeah, I got one of those little ones. I was just listening to the laws on then when you rang. They're pretty good. The little Bluetooth speaker. Yeah. Yeah, and they're great. But this this is made for for TV, so it's got like a HDMI connection that plugs yeah. into your TV, and then boom, it's uh it's its own sound and mate, great quality. Two seventy nine for the JBL two channel, and the more yep. you spend, the better it is. It's the same with everything. Yeah. But but cool. definitely consider the high cent seventy five inch. You're saving a bit of coin. Get that. So if here's just to be just to wrap it up. If you don't buy the Sony, you also want to buy a Google Chromecast. Chromecast yeah. with Google TV. That's a hundred bucks. Get a soundbar. Get the the kind of best mid range seventy five inch TV you can find, and the wife will be happy. That'll be on budget, and it'll be an amazing system. And you'll sit in there together and watch a movie. Cool. All right, champ. Thanks, Good champ. luck. Happy shopping. Thanks, buddy. See you, bye. Cheers, mate. And, uh, yeah, let me spend your money for you. I'm good at it. <laughs> um, but, you know, it's interesting because I know that there's that OLED TV, and that's a beautiful TV. And I'm, you know, lucky that I've got one of those just for my Xbox here in the office. But I watch Godzilla v. Kong on a $1,700 86-inch, 82-inch, uh, Linsar, which is essentially the same as the Aldi brand TV. looked amazing. To me, everyone's eyes are different, but to my eyes, and I think a large, if not majority of eyes, um, you'd be pretty impressed with what you see. This is the EFTM Podcast. EFTM. Well, you know, one of the brands we talk about a lot here uh, when it comes to mobile phones is TCL. And that's really only been the last couple of years because I think in Australia, the TCL brand established itself pretty well uh, in the TV space, your major sponsorships and those kind of things. Um, and then recently, um, the shift into their own branded mobile phones. But I wanted to dig a bit deeper into just talking about one specific model, even though we've got a great new phone to talk about. And I'm fortunate to be joined on the line by the General Manager of Marketing globally for for, uh, for TCL, which is Stefan Strait. Stefan, g'day, mate. How are you? Hello, Trevor. Good to see you again. And you. Uh, and you. Here. Sadly, uh, it's been a long time since we've seen each other face-to-face, given the, the world that we're living in. But I'm, I'm hoping that 2022 brings that back and hoping that everyone... Uh, in, in your life is safe and well. Um, but TCL, sure. mate, I, I, I'm fascinated by where we're at today 
with TCL. You know, we had an announcement literally just a few days ago of uh, yet another phone from TCL this year. And you would you would think that a phone, a company that launched, I think it was only uh, 2019, the, the Plex, uh, the first, you know, branded TCL phone, to be now launching uh, phones in this number. You know, we're talking six models or something in just the last few months. It's a pretty remarkable step forward, Stefan. Oh, absolutely. Um, but it also shows some of the strengths of uh, TCL because, you know, in, in Australia, we now in just a few months, we launched six models and um, three of them uh, 5G and, and now addressing really the entry points of uh, 5G with these uh, price points as well. So globally speaking, we actually launched uh, 16 phones in the first uh, one and a half years, plus tablets, plus wearable, plus headphones. So, but this just shows like how serious we are and that we really bring these products to the market quickly. We are a product company at the end, and uh, this is what our strength is. And uh, also due to the fact that we are not a new company. So, you know, we are, remember, we are one of the survivors in this industry. We have been there before the first iPhone came, and we're still here today. And uh, obviously, um, that helps us a lot because we have established business relations with all of the key channels around the world. We have an uh, operation model that works. And introducing a new brand like uh, TCL into the mobile space is a challenge enough, but it helps us that we can build on a, on a solid foundation which we have in the market. So let's, let's address the, the, the newest model, the, the 20R 5G, which I've got in my hands here. This is a $300 phone. Okay, uh, yeah. at Vodafone Lock, but 350 if you buy it at Harvey Norman and places like that. And in the hand, it, it's lightweight. Um, I can see, if I was to compare it to even your flagship, let alone other flagships, I can see little things that people could say, that's where we're, not compromising, but that's where we're, we're giving away in terms of the, the bringing the price point down. But you're not really missing much, are you? Because with something that's $300, you're getting... An enormous screen. I think it's ninety percent screen to body ratio. You're getting a very small cutout notch for the um, for the front facing camera. You're getting a triple lens camera on the back, fingerprint reader, face recognition. I mean, is it hard to sell a flagship model when you've got a an affordable model that actually ticks so many boxes? Well, it, it is hard to sell a flagship model uh, in a way that you also need to have brand power to do this. To be very clear. If you look at the devices, which maybe a price class up, let's talk like six, seven hundred dollars, yep. and then up to thousand dollars, there is really not much difference when it comes about the ingredients of the phones, yep. right, or the components. It's not that you can build gold into the devices, but really, what is there? The value is also the brand, and of course, then you have the super high-end chipset, you have the best cameras, you have some of the best uh, components in there that really make this jump up. But this is typically not where TCL um, uh, focus is. We, if you look a little bit how we have become successful uh, in the TV business globally, but also in some of the key markets like the US, is really that we democratize these new technologies and make it accessible for more consumers. That's, that's our key philosophy. So, you know, compared to maybe other brands who invest hugely on brand, which we also, we, we invest a lot on brand and it's part of the job to do this, but probably we invest more on the product yeah. side to make this more accessible for consumers and we are more keen to bring this into the, in, in more consumers' hands. 
And if you look on the 5G technology as such, this is really where we are leading a bit to bring this into uh, new price points. And this helps, of course, our um, key partners like the carriers because they have invested a huge amount of money into the yeah. 5G networks. And they need to now deploy this into more uh, consumers' hands. So that's part of our entire strategy always. Which is also a fascinating part about the timing of this. You've now got the most affordable 5G handset in Australia by not quite 50 bucks if you look at the, the recommended retail price in a, in a uh, retail channel, but certainly um, at a telco level by some margin. Um, yeah. And I think that's a critical, this is a critical point, isn't it, for the 5G journey? We've got to a point where 5G, I think, is well known. I think people know about 5G. The, the telcos spend the money on marketing. You don't need to do that. But there's this kind of anticipation now or if expectation that a phone should be 5G, which is why you need to hit that price point. Um, wh- where does the demand in Australia come, do you think? And obviously, we're a small part of the business, but is it the, the, is it the channel? Is it the telco that pushes companies like you to bring 5G into a more affordable price point? Well, definitely, it is. It is. That's the main, you know, the main channel who pushes 5G to different price points because, again, they need to drive the return investment on you know, on the huge 5G investment. But also, it's not just that we want to push something into consumers' hands, which is not useful. Um, I think what you can recognize is like every consumer that has switched or used once 5G, they will never go back again. Mm. Okay. So it's really, you really get uh, this fast mobile internet. And then I think in specifically today's world where, um, you know, we are so dependent on, uh, so to say, connected devices uh, and our lives work or privately is happening much more through, you know, these kind of products uh, because we cannot meet physically that much. Yeah. Still not, unfortunately. That becomes, of course, uh, a much better experience if you have a 5G device. And I know about a few people, you know, then if the fixed internet uh, connection is not that fast or is overloaded, they actually switch, so to say, to the 5G network uh, through their mobile device with a hotspot and simply, you know, stream Netflix or uh, other kind of uh, streaming video services because it's a better experience. And that is, um, they're not trying to sell something which is not useful. This is really like, you know, it's a big benefit because everything becomes faster. And, and especially today, we are even more reliable or, or kind of more dependent on these kind of um, uh, services and products. As a bloke that looks at what you've got today on the market versus, you, you know, what the roadmap is, is it funny or frustrating to you to catch up with friends at dinner parties? And, and you know, when you go out and you see people with their own phones, and I, I always, it's the first thing I do is look at what phones people have. And you see the amount of money people are spending. I said this this morning on the TV. It's all well and good for us to have, you know, $2,000 phones. But for most people, what you need, what you use, is actually available in something much more affordable. And even if we look at your top end, you know, we're talking well under $1,000 for your best device. Which, by the way, and this is where I get to the frustrating or funny part, you look at a phone, um, and I'll, look, I'll, I'll say it, you don't need to, but you look at the iPhone. Brand new phone comes out, Samsung's the same, and they've got this enormous camera module which makes it bump and bruise on the desk, whereas you've already managed to nail a flat camera module on the back of your flagship phone. Is that, is that a funny or a fascinating thing to you? Well, it is uh, fascinating in a way, and, and also funny. It's actually a good expression. In a way to, let me express this like this, you know, and as you know me, I'm very open and transparent with my opinions as yep. well. Actually, if you don't know what kind of phone to buy and if you have enough money in your pocket, you probably go for an iPhone 
because you cannot do anything wrong mm. among your community. Yeah. But if you're smart and make a wise decision, you will realize that actually you can keep probably half of your budget which you have available for something else, right? And still get the very, very good form for what you need, right? We see, we see in some uh, consumer research that it has changed the behavior a little bit of the consumers during this pandemic. So consumers are more checking devices now, what yep. they really get, what is the value they get for the money they invest. And is, do they need to have these latest specs and the super duper processor? It's kind of, you know, you, you, you take your regular yeah. car and you put the Ferrari engine in. Do you really need that? Or do you need just something that bring, brings you safely from point A to pay, point B with a little bit of comfort and things like this? Yes. And I think this is where you see like the consumers will um, uh, more and more make smart decisions and actually understand what they get for the money and uh, for what they need. And it's a good point, you know, you see like the displays, right? They, all these devices. Well, I was going to say, you mentioned comfort and I would argue in that car analogy, yeah. I remember seeing yeah. a, an interview with Jeff Bezos. He was he was driving a Camry or a Corolla, and the bloke was saying, "Mate, you got billions of dollars." He goes, "I just need yeah. to get from A to B." But it's interesting yeah. because the screen is the one thing you most interact with on a smartphone because you see yeah. it, you touch it, and so actually the the screen technology, which again is you know it's in the heritage of TCL. That's actually where you, what you bring to this this market, isn't it? Absolutely. So this is where we want to position a bit TCL. And uh, this is based on a number of facts. First of all, because we are, um, you know, we are producing our uh, displays since many years ourselves. We have invested 30 billion US dollars into display R&D and manufacturing and technology capabilities. This is very critical. And we believe, you know, in a way what you're doing each day, this is the thing you're using for eight to 10 hours each day. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. The camera is important. Because you take maybe, you know, five, maybe 10 pictures each day, right? But everybody is defining themselves about, you know, what kind of camera they have, you know, because it's something they can compare, you know. I don't know, 20 megapixels is better than 10 megapixel, right? Okay, but probably most of the consumers, they cannot say, like, what is the difference? And, and in a way, if you have a good enough picture quality in all kind of light conditions, that should do the job. Yeah. But the display is the thing which you interact the most each day. And David po uh, put a lot of uh, focus on it, not just to deliver a um, better visual experience through our next vision technology, but also a more safe visual experience. So we introduced a lot of features like, you know, reduction of blue light or that um, uh, the display, the, the color tone yep. uh, changes. If you use an e-reader, then it becomes warmer and more like paper-like and things like this. So we want to bring all of this expertise, um, of course, into the market. And this is a bit how we differentiate. We will make sure that our camera proposition is on par like everybody else. But our differentiation should come through the display technology and what we can deliver there. That's our expertise. Well, you've got me thinking now about two things that I think people, who, even if you thought of TCL as a mobile company, let alone a TV company and a brand in that sense, display is actually a new, it's a new frontier for you as well. Because let's, let's talk about two things I want to get your feedback on right now. The first one is is the tablet you've teased me with many times and the second one is the glasses. But you've you've got a, a tablet which you're, you're hoping to bring to market, I guess, in the next year or so, which essentially yeah. works like a normal tablet, but because it doesn't have a backlight, it's a, it's a whole different approach to I guess where, how, and, and what you use a tablet for. Talk me about that one because I have been fascinated by it. I haven't seen it in the flesh yet because we haven't been done shows, but you've shown me on enough Zoom calls that I'm yeah. still dead keen to see it. 
Yeah, well, actually, the product is getting ready uh, in the next couple of weeks. So we're going to plan to launch it actually still this year. Okay. Okay. We had to do a lot of optimization. And the benefits of that is this tablet doesn't have a backlight. Okay. So it's kind of an e-reader. Okay. Um, which brings you a lot of benefits. The product itself or the display component is, is much thinner. So you can make the tablet thinner. And of course, the big, big benefit is uh, the battery holds much longer. The because the that, one thing that drains the battery most is the, the light that illuminates the screen for you, which is why if you want to save battery life, folks, turn your screen brightness down as far as you can, you can manage and you'll get more out so, of your day. <laughs> so, exactly. And what does the tablet do? It takes the environment light, kind of, and reflects it. So what you need to have, you need to have light around yeah. you. You yeah. can have this, of course, the natural light, which during daytime is absolutely fine to use. And during nighttime, you might have a little lamp so who's the market for a product like that? Is it is it e-reader moving into, oh, I just want to check my mail and browse the web? Or is there is there a bit more that you can do with a tablet it's like that? It's more. Um, it has to do as well with the situation which is uh, happening since the pandemic, you know, that we spend so much time in front of, of the screens. Now, most of our kids, they attend online classes, you know. And what you want, you don't want to have them watching for 10 hours a day onto uh, such a screen from a close distance. And of course, what they need to do is still, they need to have something in color, right? They need to have all the apps and the animation, this tablet plays all the, the movies and everything, but it's not as bright as, you know, if you have a backlight, that's clear. But it's a much softer experience, kind of, it's this paper-like uh, experience. It mm. doesn't make your eyes tired. And for online education specifically, we see that there is a big, big opportunity um, where you want to give something into the hands of your kids or students, which need to use this for a long day, but they don't need to, you know, they don't play the most fancy games on this tablet. So yeah. they will not watch a blockbuster movie on such a tablet, but they use it for online school or online education. Okay. They can do everything. And for that, we see uh, a big, big interest. So we are continuing to develop this technology. So the first product we plan to bring out uh, this year, and then there will be more products in this space. We're also experimenting with one which has a little bit of a backlight and, 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 and more like a paper feeling kind of display technology. Um, so this, we really want to bring all this expertise to the market because we see that our lives are happening through these screens. Mm. And therefore, we want to give more choice to whatever you need. It's like you're reading what I'm thinking. Uh, life happening through our screens, which brings us to the next Wear G glasses, okay? So again, this is a product, and I talked about this when it launched. I, I swear it was three years. You, you'd show me this thing at CES, MWC. You keep showing me the demos, and it got better, it got different, and now it evolved to a product which is on sale in Harvey Norman. As I understand it, correct me if I'm wrong, it, it sold out in the first run. I don't know whether that yep. means you had 100 of them or 10,000 of them. It doesn't really matter. Um, it, it met the demand that both you and the channel had. Yep. But, you know, two things I want to know. Why Australia... Like, why Australia got that first? Because that's fascinating for, I think, all of us as consumers and lovers of technology. But secondly, where does that go next? Um, do, do, does it just evolve and the glasses get smaller or does it become a more, uh, have, does it have intelligence of some sort? You've seen Ray-Ban with their glasses with Facebook. Do, do you add more to it like that? Um, so the first to come back to your first question, why Australia? We believe like um, Australia is actually uh, pretty advanced when it comes to these new technologies and is ready to use these new products, right? And as you can see, like, yes, it, 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 there is an interest. And we had this opportunity together with Harvey Norman and then uh, also, you know, the bundle with uh, the 
Optus video streaming is actually very good. This is what we believe like is, is exactly how you should promote these products. Mm. And to be very clear, this is a display extension. And then you see, what you also see is like, yeah, of course we have all these fancy TVs and we have this at home. But sometimes when you're out, you also wanna have uh, a large screen in front of you, but you cannot carry your large TV with you. This one gives you the 140 inch uh, screen or 110 inch screen kind of experience. And also gives you privacy if you work somewhere outside, you know, and, and you don't wanna have people staring at your laptop screen, kind of what you're doing, or if you are in a video call like we are, I can um, uh, comfortably hold this. So currently this is a display extension. It's like an external display. You connect mm -hmm. to your mobile device or your tablet or yep. your uh, laptop. In the future, of course, we believe like having such technologies where you can have small displays built into your glasses, um, you know, you can build in microphones, cameras, you see some of these. Um, this will move in a couple of years into really like kind of a, um, uh, artificial intelligence kind of glasses. However, today we believe like there's lots of things which still need to be regulated. You know, if you're running around with these glasses and suddenly have a camera and pointing right. at someone or some something, you know, and get information, I think this is too early. And also the content is not there. Um, that's why we call it the wearable display, because that's what it is. Okay? Um, and of course, in the future, you will see like displays. In general, you can wear on different parts of your body. Right now, this is kind of glasses, yeah. right? But we also have showed you some of the concepts where you have a display which you can wrap around your wrist, like as, as, as a full display instead of a watch, you know, and you can take it off and it's like a smartphone. Uh, or somewhere else, you know, this is, this is um, uh, future things which we are um, uh, looking into to see like what could be new use cases. Again, if you go, you know, in Australia, you guys are very active and doing a lot of sport outside. So, you know, if you go for a run, um, you know, or, or somewhere, you probably don't need this kind of size no. device, but you still want to be connected or know if something happens or track, your, so to say, your fitness. So something like a smaller device which you can wrap around your wrist could be also very beneficial. So you will see in, in all ways that these kind of technologies are um, uh, further developing and we're looking at meaningful experiences. This is, we can do the fancy, super high quality latest technology displays. We can do the one which are most safe to use for eyes. We can yep. do the ones with the fold and flex, and, that are, and we can also do the ones so small that you can wear it. That's, that's where we feel like, you know, uh, we want to bring the expertise to this. So I, again, I've seen plenty of demonstrations of uh, flexible folding displays from, uh, from you and your, your um, display business. When? When will we expect a, a foldable, flippable, some sort of other form factor display because Stephen, I'll be honest, I am absolutely, utterly, and intensely in love with the Samsung Galaxy Z Flip. I think it's a perfect form factor, and I've been saying that ever since we had a foldable screen. I don't like the fold, but I love the flip, and I think that there's a market for that. And if I mean, they brought it down to fifteen hundred here in Australia. If you could be part of bringing that price, that that market down further, otherwise Samsung's going to run run away with this foldable market. Yeah. Stop it! He, okay. for, for those so, listening, he's just he's just opened a phone and flipped it shut right in front of me. Stephen, if you don't send me that phone, I will. I don't know what, but wow, that. So, okay, all right. In, in fact, so we promised actually that we're going to deliver something commercially right? yep. um, this year, and unfortunately, we had to take a commercial decision. 
it's a purely commercial decision that this decision has been taken before Samsung has announced their latest product. Um, but this, uh, we have taken this commercial decision to postpone it mm-hmm. and, uh, because of a number of reasons. Um, right now, our focus is very much to deliver the 5G for all, okay? And also, you know, the component shortages and some supply issues pushed up the pricing a lot. So we couldn't achieve, so to say, the commercial price which we wanted to achieve. Mm. Okay? I can be very transparent to you on this. This product is ready to launch. It's technically finished, okay? But compared to the uh, other devices in the market, we could maybe hit somewhere around 800 US dollars, which is maybe 1,000 Australian dollars, mm. right? But somebody who can afford so much money, he will probably go... For the brand he knows a step further yeah all right and then you know as we are very strongly linked to the carrier partners uh, and we need also their support a bit you know we are still a very young brand and their focus is very much to deliver the 5g for all that's why we decided to hold this launch we have working devices okay yeah. uh, not just mock-ups it's really if you see it you know they're finished kind of you know software is not completely finished but i use it as my daily phone and um i love it as well you know mm. and and once same as once you shifted to 5g once you shifted to a fold or a flip it's very difficult to go back. Yeah. So for us, this is a super critical product category. Very, very important. But it's a long-term uh, strategy. And we need to find the right moment to enter this market. It now moved probably from an early gadget, nerdy, very expensive, very premium price products to become kind of um, early, you know, kind of early adaptive market. And, you know, kudos to our friends from Samsung, they did now a good job. Probably if you would call out the two things which make the interest really jump now for this new product, it is the price. Yep. Because the price is now the same as a regular premium smartphone, and it's the durability, the IPX8, yep. whatever you call it, because that's like your other phone. Yeah, you can't be compromising. Was- you can't launch into a new... Uh, you can't launch anything new to replace something existing that doesn't do what the existing already does. Right. Um, and, and I think you're absolutely right. Um, uh, and that's so to their credit, but I see that you, you essentially need, you need, the market needs to mature. The, the yeah. chip shortages need to go away. And I, I guess just finally on that with chip shortages and stuff, because that's affecting everything from cars to phones. Yeah. But is there, a, is there an end game for that in your view? Is it, a, is it still another 12 months of you know, tooling yeah. um, and gearing up for factories around the world to get back to production of, of chips at the level we need them to be at? Yeah, it's expected to be somewhere between six, nine to up to twelve months till it's getting back to normal again. So, one thing is the is is the pure supply, you know, the volume that you can get. But yeah. the other thing is also the components cost has increased dramatically, which of course is a challenge for a for a company who is playing more in the affordable price segment, right? Because our margins are shrinking. Yep. Um, which then, if you play more in the premium price segment, that is you know, less effective. You can maybe swallow that extra cost. But uh, for us, this is sometimes really a challenge. Um, uh, But we are working um, very strongly with this, or very closely with all of the key um, uh, component suppliers around the world. Um, They're giving us much as precise forecasts and things like this, but we need to help each other. And one thing which is concrete is like some of the portfolio chain uh, products, you know, or some of the total portfolio planning has changed quite significantly. Yeah. Certain products have been killed, certain products, you know, have uh, been extended yeah. or changed and things like this. This is more 
of the work which you need to adapt to what kind of chipsets are available mm. in you know kind of volumes that you can continue so to say your business and, and just finally we've talked about you know the broad TCL roadmap there with phones and, and the different things is it clear to say that you know the, the I guess the last 10 years has been an evolution especially in Australia you know the Alcatel brand super low cost um, affordable phones in the prepaid space um, introducing Blackberry for, for a period there as a licensed brand but just to, to hit a premium end is it is it true to say that now the focus is is 100% on TCL as a brand as a phone manufacturer so that you've got the the portfolio that respects the brand um, that you're achieving sure so definitely it's not it's not a 100% focus we still have Alcatel we continue to to keep Alcatel mm-hmm. For whatever varied is important, varied also has value in the market. And of course, Alcatel has been positioned a bit towards more the carrier business and a lot into the value and the entry segment. But now some of these new technologies, which are coming like 5G or like the foldable flexible display technology, that would take another, let me guess, three years to bring this into an Alcatel price segment. Of yeah. course. Therefore, TCL is very important. And of course, TCL is our mother brand and has a much bigger story to tell. It's also about the connected ecosystem. You know, we have all this consumer electronics portfolio, uh, which makes us a bit unique as a Chinese company, because there's not many of these who have such a huge uh, portfolio. And we can really be here like the more affordable alternative for when you want to have products connected. Being, you know, a small ecosystem from being a phone together with a true wireless headphone or together with a tablet or going the full way where you also have your air condition, refrigerator, washing machine, everything connected in your intelligent home. That's also possible. And I think this is where we want to go with TCL. Why the mobile plays such a critical role is because that's the most emotional uh, product category we have. Most you know, personal as well, also, isn't it? You carry it with you everywhere. Yeah, and, and TV also brand is important, but I think we can all agree it's less important than what it is on the mobile, the brand, yeah. so to say. So that's why it does not just a job um, when it comes about this total ecosystem that we want to connect everything to the mobile, but also from a brand building perspective to put this into more people's hands, you know, and we are confident we deliver on the, on the quality of these devices and people will be happy to buy more TCL products in the future. Stefan, it's always wonderful to catch up and, and shoot the breeze about the, the business, the brand and the roadmap. I'll make sure that the Australian team have my direct address so that you can send me that flip phone um, and I will do my very best to give it a good road test and uh, and give you all the product feedback required, my friend. Right. Um, but you know, congratulations with the, with the launch of all the TCL products thus far this year. Um, exciting to have a, a 5G phone at the price point you've been able to achieve and, and as always, looking forward to... The, the next 12 months of announcements and maybe even yep. seeing you um, very soon at, uh, at a trade show near you. <laughs> I hope so. I hope so. As always, a big pleasure talking to you, Trevor. EFTM. This is the EFTM Podcast. EFTM Podcast. Take any calls. Got a question, go to the website, EFTM.com. G'day, Michael. G'day, Trevor. How are you going? Yeah, real good. What can I do for you, mate? Mate, just a question. We are building a new house and we're umming and ahhing about whether to put a Foxtel dish on the roof. Yep. Been following your coverage of the IQ5 box, and I'm very tempted by just getting an IQ5 Foxtel connection with over the internet. Yeah. My concern is we're building a home theater. I'm very into 4K, have a lot of 4K discs. Yep. The quality of the 4K sport on the IQ5 box over the internet, is it comparable to the satellite? 
Mate, yes, it is. Um, now, I have not sat them side by side. Right. I could probably do that, actually. Uh, no, I'd need... Um, yeah, I'd need a second box. I'm just trying to think how I would test that, actually. But look, I spoke in great detail to the, the technical head of the project at, at Foxtel, and I yep. said, mate, you know, the problem with streaming is the quality, yada, 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 yada. And he said that with the right internet connection, you're going to get up to, I think he said, 18 megabits per second. Mm-hmm. Now, it doesn't need that. He, he was very clear and adamant. You don't need that because um, it's adaptive and it'll work with, with whatever you give it. But let's say you were to um, put an IQ5 box in a home theater on an Ethernet cable yep. back to a good quality router that had quality of service on it. You know what that yes. means? Yes, I do. So for, for other people, that means you're able to say, listen, that's that's the priority. That box gets traffic before anything else on the network. And it essentially means you could even kind of um, slate off, uh, you know, 20 megabits of, of your internet to that box. So if you were doing that, then you know that the box is capable of getting what it needs. And, mates, I was blown away by the quality. Now, I, I had the 4K. Have you had the 4K at the previous house? No, I haven't. I've look, I've seen it at a mate's place, and you know, in my opinion, Foxtel's 4K sports streaming is the best quality broadcast TV that I've seen. Mate, Foxtel's HD yeah. sports streaming is the best quality sports streaming I've seen. Oh, let let me be clear. I think Foxtel do sport better than anyone. There's no doubt about that, especially because they've got the bandwidth. And the the reason for that, and you may know this, but for others, the you know they've got a satellite or a cable pumping out uh, this uh, fixed bandwidth. Whereas Channel 9, Channel 7, everyone else, they've got 23 megabits of space and they have to chop it up and fit things in. And so they, they compromise, you know. They, they, they squeeze a bit of, of bandwidth. So the, their HD signal was amazing. But when I, when I turned on their 4K, you know, at Bathurst a few years ago, mm. it was like, wow, this is brilliant. Now, here's, what I, here's why I know the 4K streaming is great. So the other day, uh, I've taken the Foxtel IQ5 box home now because I thought, oh, you know, I kind of need to put it in a real-world scenario to test it. And yep. I turned on the 4K, and my son is a Roosters fan. You know, sure, mm-hmm. we all make mistakes. Yes, um, and, you know, there's regrets. We've, we've all got them. Um, but I put on the footy, and it wasn't live. It was just a, um, you know, delayed game because none of the games are live um, in 4K if they're Channel 9 games. So it was final series. Yeah. Um, and I immediately saw the blades of grass again. And that's what I remember seeing when the cricket was on and when the rugby league was on. Not that you can count the blades of grass, but that there's definition in the grass. Yeah. Um, I know it sounds ridiculous, but you know, there's a difference between seeing green and seeing lines of green. And yeah, that's right. that was streamed over the internet on Wi-Fi, mind you, mm-hmm. right? So I'm not, I'm not hardwired at home with this box. And I, yeah, I thought it was amazing. I really thought right. it was amazing. I, I've got no doubt that side by side, someone who's a video file with the right equipment is going to tell me that it's not as good as satellite. But mate, do you really yeah. want a satellite dish on your roof when you can get it via the no. internet? It's I mean, almost we, stupid. Same thing. I mean, we're building the house; they give us five included TV points, but no antenna on the roof. Yeah. So it's an upgrade. So we have to choose between an antenna or a satellite dish. I'm thinking. I mean, I, I spoke to Foxtel. Yeah, well, that's what Foxtel told me. They've guaranteed me pretty much that. It's an imperceptible difference between satellite and internet on the IQ5. Yep. That's an interesting, it's an interesting use of words. Imperceptible difference. That What they're saying is it's different. And, yep. you know, as I said, to the right tester with the right eye, they'll notice. But yeah. as I said to a previous caller who was just buying a TV, 
Mm-hmm. Your mate's got fo- Foxtel 4K, and how far away does he live? Oh, 20 minutes. Are you going to remember the pixel difference in a 20-minute drive if you go, right, let's watch the first half at your joint and the second half at my joint? Are you going to notice the difference? I would guess not. And, no, and for me, my, and I haven't written my review there, but my number one review of this box is they need to work their asses off to work with Channel 9, Channel 7, and everyone else to get the, the free-to-air channel streamed as well because yeah. we don't have an antenna in the dining room, at the, the kitchen dining room of our place. So every night I'm on you know, Nine Now app on the on the Samsung TV and I've got to hit home. I've got to go across three buttons to the Nine Now app. I've got to launch. I've got to wait. I've got to go down one live and I've got to wait. And that is a horrible user experience to get free-to-air television when on the Foxtel box you just turn it on and you choose a channel number. And, mate, it's, it's you know, two seconds at most before the channel starts streaming. It's amazing. And yeah, if, if and they were to bring in the free-to-airs via the internet, they have got themselves a, a stunning set-top box. And I'm going to say the same thing to Fetch, who, who also have the same problem where you, I know they can do it. I know technically they've tried it. They've just got to get that happening and a kind of a, from a rights position because the thing is the, the networks want you to sign in. I'm happy to use whatever app I need to enable the live stream by signing in so they know who I am that's watching if they can just give me linear viewing again of my channels <laughs> where I don't have yeah. an antenna. Yeah, exactly right. I mean, same with us. I mean, the only time we use the antenna is State of Origin and Grand Final. And it's same thing. We rely on the Channel 9 Now app. It's horrible. As Foxtel, when I spoke to them, said they didn't have any immediate plans of being able to rebroadcast the free-to-air channels over the internet. So... Yeah, I, I, I suspect they're working on it, but I, I, wouldn't, yeah. I wouldn't be banking on it in 2021 or two, frankly. No. Yeah. So, mate, get the get the free-to-air antenna, ditch the satellite, and invest in your network. So, in, you, you know, invest in the fact that you've got um, Cat5 and invest in a good router that gives you the ability to say, you know what, that TV, that, that, that theatre room is an important outlet. So if it needs priority, give it priority so that you've yep. got that real dedication. So when there's kids or other people using the internet – that that 4K screen stream doesn't get squashed down. Sure, you'll love it. I will enjoy. How long I, till you uh, you know make it happen? Build. Oh, mate, the plans have just gone through CDC now, so we're looking at starting building hopefully end of next month. Okay, so, so early probably, next year. Yeah, well, early to mid next year. Mate, just long. a question. Yeah, just another question with the Foxtel on the IQ5. If we do. T- decide to go over the internet. We've been getting all of our pay-per-view stuff. We watch a lot of UFC yep. over KO, yeah. and it's been fantastic, reliable. Do you know that Foxtel, will they have main event rights over streaming? Yeah, uh, yes, because KO is Foxtel, by the way, so there's no... Yeah, yeah. And it, yes, I... I well, I'm, I'm saying yes because because I, with confidence. Because Everything you can get on an IQ box, you can get on an IQ5. Right. Right, because you've got to remember... They are saving $75 million a year by not using cable anymore. That's their plan is to ditch that completely. Um, yes, they've got satellites, but in 10 years from now, they don't want to be launching new satellites or having to keep paying that money. So there's a huge saving there in the long term. They want to be internet-based 100%. Um, That's right. So they, they don't consider an IQ5 box a streaming, like a stream in that right yeah, sense. Yeah. So it's not the same as you know getting it on your browser. Um, will you be able if you're a Foxtel IQ5 customer and you sign up to main event for a fight, will you be able to watch it on your computer? I don't know. 
Will you be able to see it on your IQ5 box? Hell yes. Yeah, that's the, the only reason I ask is before KO came out, we had a Foxtel Now subscription, and you weren't able to get main event that way. No, but remember, I can remember it was only three or four years ago, there was a uh, Danny Green or a Mundine fight yeah. or something that was streamed on. People were restreaming it on Facebook. It was a huge yeah, nightmare. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it was because there was no actual way to do it. There was no legal way to do it. But now they've got KO. So mm. that, that all exists. So the reason Foxtel Now doesn't have it is because Foxtel Now is a kind of separate service to KO. So it's a really muddied waters with Foxtel Now. I think they should get rid of that product. It's confusing. Yeah. Um, but that's their own problem that they need to deal yeah. with. But I feel, <laughs> right. I feel confident in saying to you that as an IQ5 fully-fledged Foxtel customer, you will be able to get the full suite of services on your Foxtel box um, and the majority of them on a browser and, a, and an app. Um, main event, I would I would only kind of guarantee you on an IQ5 box, you'd have to ask them about whether or not it would be available on the app. Sure. All right, mate. Good luck. Fantastic. Thank you very much. Cheers, buddy. Anytime. And uh, if you've got a question, then get in touch. I'm happy to help. Um, yeah, that's – see, all the people that think Foxtel's dead and outdated, it's not. There's a real need for that kind of box. You think about a fetch box, a Foxtel box. These are entertainment boxes. People want the – I know that many of us – We'll happily use all the apps in the world. But many people also just want the simplicity of one remote that does everything. And that's what Fetch does, and that's what Foxtel's trying to do. Let me know what you think. Go to the website, eftm.com. Thank you very much for listening. Lovely to have your company once again. Always, please, don't hesitate to get in touch. I am going to try and do an email this week because I've struggled with that. Jesus, I'm useless. Uh, so many communication platforms. I've kind of done well to rid myself of Twitter. I still check it now and then, um, but I'm not looking at it regularly. But I just got to get my focus. Uh, <laughs> and this bloody TikTok thing. Um, but it's fun. You know, I'm really enjoying the the short form content and the reasonably positive engagement you get on uh, on a very different platform. So uh, that's why I'm mucking around with it just for a couple of months. And if it's great, I will probably ditch a bunch um but we'll see how it goes um if you haven't downloaded the eftm app why the hell not just ask yourself that talk to you next week and no it's not available on android yet if you know a developer tell them to get in touch see ya